It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So, how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, J.C. Sherbert, Phil Molinax here with you on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. <clears throat> Press conference Tuesday, Phil, as they call it during the season, right? Uh-huh. Yep, yep. We get to hear from Shane today. Yep, Shane will talk today. Coordinators are scheduled to talk tomorrow. So uh, back to kind of a normal game week. Uh, <clears throat> it will not be a normal game week for our show. I'm going to Lexington. Uh, first time I've been to Kentucky since 2010. Um, which was not a good night for the Gamecocks, if you guys remember that one. Um, <clears throat> me and the missus are heading down. We're going to do the Keeneland thing. Uh, I'm going to do some bourbon tour and tasting and all that. Uh, so it should be uh, quite a time. Uh, I'm leaving out of here Thursday morning to travel, so no show Thursday. Uh, Phil and I will have a preview show for you, a shorter one. Uh, that will go up on Friday. It will not be live, but you can get it on podcast format and also uh, on the Bixby YouTube page where we stream each and every day. Uh, so I wanted to let you guys know about that. Then um, I know we've kind of had a rocky schedule the past few weeks for some things, and uh, but th- this this trip was planned. I'd planned on doing this, uh, gosh, this last summer, some friends of mine, so it couldn't be helped. But uh, we'll be back during the open date and then get ready for A&M and uh, should be Regular, normal schedule, you know, uh, from then on out. I want to thank everybody for always uh, being with us here. Uh, Both of the Nana's Ports chat box, the iHelp Consulting mailbag, and uh, the chat box is heating up already, Phil. My God. Yeah. (laughs) Off and running this morning. Mm, Doc Graybeard says, good morning from a Sparkle City boy. Wash hands. Mm -hmm. Sparkle City, Spartanburg. Um, By the way. If you guys are in Spartanburg today, I wanted to tell you this uh, real quick about Cindy, our sponsor. Uh, Village at Creekside Cottages and Townhomes, grand opening today, 3 to 5 p.m. at the Hub City Farmer's Market, 498 Howard Street in Spartanburg. Uh, free drinks and food. And if you, if, you, if you attend, you enter to get a chance to win a BMW driving experience sponsored by South State, State Bank. So, Caldwell Baker Kane, Cindy Searfoss, proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks podcast. She wanted me to uh, pass that along. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, uh, rather. So I'm glad that Doc mentioned Sparkle City uh, for all of you that up there in Spartanburg. Craiger says, what's the haps? Doc says, run Lloyd early and often. Get him in the rhythm of the game. Keeps Levis and Rodriguez off the field. Not so, a bad strategy to start yeah, the game. I, I've been looking at it, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I think – I think Kentucky's a good football team, Phil. I, I just I, – I, I think that Carolina people will have a little bit of PTSD. Uh, right. This is not the same type of Kentucky team we're used to seeing. I mean, they're dead last in the Southeastern Conference in rushing offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played Florida and Ole Miss. Um, not exactly two defensive juggernauts, but uh, Ole Miss is much better on defense this year, I think, than they used to be. Uh you know, they, they they got Rodriguez back last week, still only went for 108 yards. Uh, the word I get from up there is the offensive line is not the same as it normally right. is. I mean, they've had probably a top three to four offensive line in the league 
for like two or three years running, they're just not the same. They lost players. They lost Eric Wolford. Um, it's uh, it, it's not the same kind of team. I mean, Levis uh, is really good at getting the ball to the perimeter to his playmakers. Uh, he'll turn it over sometimes. Uh, Kentucky's given up 19 sacks this year. By comparison, the Gamecocks have given up 10. Yeah. You wouldn't think that, would you? Uh, no. <laughs> and, uh, overall total offense, they're 13th in the league. I, I, I just, you know, getting Darius Rush back, getting David Spalding back to solidify the secondary a bit. Um, I understand that, uh, the defensive line is, is probably underperformed again this year, but I think there's an opportunity there on defense. I mean, they say you take your defense on the road, you know, this is not going to be the mismatch up front that it was against Arkansas or Georgia. Or it shouldn't be. I mean, there's no excuse. There's no reason why. Uh, Arkansas and Georgia have two of the best O-lines in, in the league, probably the country. Uh, that's not what that, that – that you'd think that would be Kentucky, uh, but it's not this year. No, not this year. Yeah, that blue wall is not the same as it usually is. Yeah, the, the big blue wall is a big blue nothing, big blue uh, uh, jello kind of deal. <laughs> this year. It's a little bit leaky. Paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit leaky on that. So uh, I also don't know how good Kentucky is on the defensive line. Uh, their run defense, uh, they hadn't really played a lot of really great running teams. Um, bottled up Richardson, I think, pretty well at Florida. But, uh, you know, they've been outrushed in just about every game and 186 yards by Ole Miss on Saturday. And, and, and on top of that, it, it was Ole Miss's freshman uh, Quinn should Junkin Junkins, something like that. Yeah, Judkins. Yeah, Judkins. Judkins ran all over him. I mean, they bottled up Zach Evans pretty good. Uh, they're probably going to be missing linebacker Jaquez Jones, who ironically was a transfer from Ole Miss. Um, one of the better players they have on that defense. So, you know, can South Carolina run the ball? That's the question, too. I mean, th- this series, Phil, has been about running the ball and stopping the run. Kentucky usually gets the better of that, especially last year. I think it was 224 to 42 was the rushing margin in that one. Um, but, I, 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 you know, looking at it, I just don't know that this is a, a game where you, you say definitely Kentucky's got uh, the advantage on the lines of scrimmage. I, I, I just don't, you know, just looking at it, I, I just don't know that that's realistic. Now, the, the problem is going to be uh, their perimeter playmakers are big plays waiting to happen, that they have more explosive plays than they did. Mark Stoop said this week uh, it's the best drop-back passing offense they've ever had, uh, probably since the Tim Couch days. I would, I would I would think maybe Dusty Bonner days too, like when, when uh, Leach was up there and how Mummy was up there and all that. They, they, they're pretty good at drop-back passing game then. But uh, I do think that uh, – you know, that, that's the strength. You know, they got the young wideouts, Barry and Brown, Dane Key. They make plays. The kid from Virginia Tech makes plays. Uh, they'll throw it to their backs. Uh, Cavassier Smoke also could be out for the game with a concussion. So he's been a Gamecock killer just like Rodriguez. Um, but, to, you know, I, I just don't know that you just sit there and go, oh, well, they'll run all over Carolina. They may. Yeah, they they they're going to try. I mean, you know, that's that's definitely in their game plan. And they may bottle up the run against the Gamecocks, too. I mean, it may be yeah. that kind of deal. But uh, I just don't know that you can definitely say that based on the body of work for both teams so far. 
Yeah, uh, and you're cautiously optimistic that you can't run the ball because of their, you know, deficiencies on the defensive side. But, you know, we played a game like that last year and we're not able to <laughs> yeah. run against the most porous run defense yeah. in Missouri last year. The so. Missouri game left a lot uh, to be desired, yeah. right? You know, so we get our act together. <laughs> yeah, curious to see the game plan on both sides of the ball for the Gamecocks Saturday night, just to kind of see what uh, what the deal is. Because I, I think if you can go up there and establish the run, that's going to open things up downfield. No, for um, sure. Kentucky's got a what I call a stingy secondary. Uh, they're pretty good, um, so you got to be careful. <laughs> Spencer Rattler, uh, you know, probably needs to be on target. But I, I think the last two games he has been. I think the picks uh, against SC State the other night were just uh, weird deals with Xavier Leggett. Uh, it's hard to put that on Spencer Rattler, uh, and, and I think he's he's kind of gotten into a, a nice little groove. Uh, the last few weeks, you know, with the short passes and, and things like that. I, you know, do I think they'll have to go downfield at some point? Yes, but I think the chances of that happening uh, grow exponentially if you can establish the run. Oh, yeah. 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 Get them to overcommit to having to stop the run, open up the middle of the field, and then take your deep shots. But yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, that's, a, you know, that's a game plan thing. And hey, we've got a couple extra days to prepare, which always does seem to benefit us in the long run. Yeah. And uh, the guys are rested and, and ready to go. I think, you know, after uh, two very physical games against Arkansas and Georgia, <clears throat> and then, you know, two not so physical games against Charlotte and SC State, uh, you know, these guys are probably rested and, ready to go out and, and, and take the pounding that you normally take in an SEC game. Jan, uh, after Doc says, run Lloyd early and often, keeps Levis and Rodriguez off the field. Dan says, hey, Doc, that suggests our O-line is going to be blocking. <laughs> well, they have to. I mean, no, I mean uh, one can only hope, but, yeah, that's you had one job. <laughs> yeah, you got to go block. Gotta go block. Chris C. says, don't remember last time I felt negativity rising like this. Really needed a good game Saturday. And I, that's one thing I, I don't understand. I mean, guys, is it – you guys tell me. Is it is it because Carolina played on Thursday and you watched a bunch of teams this weekend that have executed pretty well and, and look pretty competent out there on offense? Is, is that why? Is it because Missouri played Georgia close? Is it because Clemson won? Uh, is it because, you know, Kentucky played Ole Miss close? You're worried? I mean, what, what's going on? Um, yeah. I, I uh, you know, everything seemed kind of positive Thursday night, right, Phil? Everybody yeah, I mean, you know, won 50 to 10, not a bad, you know, win. You did what you were supposed to for two straight weeks, took care of those two opponents. Hopefully you get right. I don't know. It just, I think people are just nervous is what it is, you know, because this is a huge game. This is the biggest game of the year. It's the biggest so weekend of the yeah, year. Thus, thus far, thus far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it is. You know, South Carolina goes up there and gets a win. Um, and uh, that's that 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 changes a lot. Today's poll question, by the way, uh, which divisional losing streak or, or negative streak would you like to see snap first? Kentucky, Missouri, or Tennessee? Uh, Kentucky seven and two in their in their last nine against the Gamecocks. They've lost three straight to Tennessee. The Gamecocks have. Uh, also, they've lost three straight to Missouri, which seems unbelievable, mm-hmm. but better believe it because it's happened. Um, and right, so far, the Kentucky game has the poll uh, just so far. So that's uh, that's uh, and, and it's by a pretty large margin. So I think the the uh, what did uh, Obama? Uh, not to get political, but Obama said something one time about 
the fierce urgency of now. Is that the fierce it? Urgency of now. The fierce <laughs> urgency of now. Uh, when you're talking about this uh, this football game Saturday night, uh, in well, Lexington. you know, you, you break two of those streaks. You know, you win two out of three, and you're pr- pretty much guaranteed a bowl game. But if you handle your business at Vandy, and you know, you win three. Uh, you know, uh, everything's in front of you. You got an A&M team that's going to be wounded and doesn't look as good as they usually do uh, on either side of the ball this year. So that's a winnable game. But, you know, it, it's important to win these division matchups. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think that uh, those were the, those are the ones that kind of stick to you if you're Carolina because it wasn't too long ago the Gamecocks had, uh, under Will Muschamp had beaten. You know, I mean, Kentucky's been a problem for some time. But the Gamecocks have beaten Tennessee and Missouri both three straight uh, with uh, with Muschamp. You know that was kind of something he hung his hat on. You know, I mean, because they were they, they weren't necessarily beating the Georges of the world, but uh, they certainly uh, and, and Kentucky was a bugaboo, but they certainly handled their business against Missouri and Tennessee. Now those things have gone the other direction. So uh, a lot of work to be done within the division, uh, except for Vandy. And uh, we'll talk about Vandy during Vandy week, Uh, (laughs) you know, to get that going. But so far, yeah, Kentucky's got the the fierce urgency of now rocking and rolling. Tim Dorn says, good morning. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Clint. Good morning, Jared. Colin says, morning, Gamecocks. We can rewrite the season in one night with a win. We'll go into a bye with all the momentum and two extremely winnable games against A&M and Missouri. I tend to agree. Uh, I hate to see – uh, you know, what would happen if the Gamecocks go out there, don't play well, get beat pretty bad uh, during the open date? It's going to be very negative. Yeah, it's going to be a long two weeks. It's going to be a long two weeks. <laughs> Carolina Empire says, good morning, everyone. Uh, Tommy says, a lot of lines in the sand being drawn with the Kentucky game on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, I get it just because, I mean, and, and, you know, maybe it was, Phil, that they saw some other – other teams play. I mean, it was pointed out to me over the weekend that Maryland looks way more competent than South Carolina on offense this year. Man, that that hurts you, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that the Terps are. <laughs> you know, you probably wouldn't throw them into the really well coached category, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but they are. They, Maryland is playing well. Big win over Michigan State this past weekend. You know, other teams too. I mean, Missouri, and you know you. The transitive property, like I said, doesn't work out in college ball. But for fans, I mean, I understand. I mean, you, you sit there and you get your kick, teeth kicked in by Georgia, 48-7 at home. Uh, and then, you know, they go and piddle around against Kent State and only win by 17. They piddle around against Missouri and almost lose. You're like, well, gosh, what, 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 what happened to that, you know, impenetrable force of the Georgia Bulldogs, you know? Right. Um, yeah. That's just kind of how it goes. You well, know? My gut tells me that's coming back for Auburn this week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think Georgia's probably going to beat them pretty good. That, yeah. That's my opinion on that subject. Uh, Auburn, another tragically tough loss for them to LSU uh, 21-17 on Saturday night. Uh, Carolina Empire, good morning. Uh, yeah, back to the lines in the sand, though. I, you know – is it fair to put that much pressure on this team right now, game six? I know. It, it seems a bit undue. I mean, we can be a bit unruly, right, as fans and, you know, analysts and, and say, yeah, you need to win this game. But, I mean, you're, you're 
your season's not lost if you win this game. I, I think, you know, this the theme for me this year, JC, has been optics. How does it look? What does the mm-hmm. team look like? What is the product that we're putting out there? And if we don't change that, then even if you win six games, say, and get to a bowl, if it doesn't look pretty, if you just, you know, bumble and stumble your way into it, it's going to be, you know, torches and pitchforks. The angst and consternation train is going to be rolling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's not enough to just win this year because it's the hype, the, you know, second year of the scheme. It's the, the you've had the consistency in, in the, uh, on the offensive side of the ball now for longer than you've had in the past, what, five, six years, even though that's only two years at this point. Um, but it's not looking very good. No. <laughs> it's not it, looking it, it good. And it's weird to say after two games where you hung half a hundred, you know, but. I, I know. Uh, I kind of feel weird saying it, but, you know. It's but still, it's true. You got to factor in the opponents and how it, how it happened. I mean, all you did was run, 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 run in the first game. And then the second game you ran a bit. It was a little more balanced. The play calling wasn't that suspect, <laughs> but it still yeah. wasn't what you want to see you know these yeah slow to start you know you're you're not getting off the you're not getting off the ball quick enough early in the game and you're and you and, and you're not going to be able to stay it's insustainable you're going to have to start faster and we have not yet seen that at all and we just i think that's part of the nerves too jc is that we we haven't had a good start yet this year and that's making people nervous because you know if we don't we're not going to succeed Kentucky's what I call a spider web team, Phil. I mentioned this yesterday. I I, I think that, that there's two things. If, if you get off to a fast start against them, be careful because just like Ole Miss found out, it's like Carolina's found out in the past. Uh, you get off to a good start, they can still get you in that web, you know, mm-hmm. and then you're looking up, it's the third quarter and it's a tight game. The other thing is if Carolina doesn't get off to a good start, uh, I don't think Kentucky's the type of team that lets you come back. Right, you know yeah. they're they're gonna sit there and do everything they can. They 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 hold on to leads like a dog holds on to like a bone. Like he doesn't want to don't want to let go. They're very very good at playing ahead, mm-hmm. uh, and they're good at coming back too. They don't really, um, you know, they don't. They're a uh, veteran team. They've got confidence, in, and this is another important part. I mean, I, I could talk about stats all day and. And tell you why I, I think this is a game the Gamecocks could go up there and win, and and I agree with that. But Kentucky's used to winning as a program at this point. South Carolina is not, and especially in this game, there's a mental. And we'll talk about Sawyer with Sawyer uh, about the mental edge uh, coming up, about the mentality that you need to kind of overcome that. Um, you know, and uh, at this point, you know, it's been so long. I mean, these guys. Uh, at Kentucky, they expect to beat South Carolina. And then South mm-hmm. Carolina does not expect to go up there and beat Kentucky, especially one that's – I can't believe they're still ranked 13th. I'm uh, just yeah. like, what What part of their body of work – I mean, I don't care win or lose against Carolina this weekend because we, we may just find out Carolina's not very good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that – you can say they've been very good this year through five games, but uh, take Carolina out of it. I mean, is is it the Will Levis hype? I mean, is that it? Is it is it just that 
people are sick of discounting Mark Stoops, and now they're going to go the other direction. Yeah, they've know. learned their lesson. Now they're going to yeah, overcorrect. Yeah, overcorrect <laughs> the overcorrection there. So they're still thirteenth. So it, it would be a big win rankings wise. Lady Bree says morning ish. Brian says morning, fellas, and F Kentucky. By the way. <laughs> Uh, Jared says 2010 Kentucky was a nightmare. Highest of highs and lowest of lows. Yeah. Coming off that win over Alabama, the Gamecocks, uh, Marcus Lattimore went, was going crazy in the first half, uh, up 28, 10 in Lexington. And then Marcus got hurt. And then all of a sudden the, the, the Kentucky started getting momentum. Uh, Randall Cobb went off that night. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, probably the biggest win of the, the Joker Phillips era. It didn't didn't cost Carolina as badly as it could have. Gamecocks ended up winning the division that year and playing Atlanta, but uh, that was just a very very disappointing defeat. Mm-hmm. You know, at the hands of the uh, a Kentucky team that I I think they may have snuck into a bowl that year, but I'm not sure. It was like six and six. Craiger says Jared that night was my first fish show. That's awesome. Uh, nice. Uh, Aaron says what's good, men? What's good, Aaron? Um, Daddy S says I've been gone for a few days, and JC already needs another haircut. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I told you nicely. I tell you, it's gonna grow back. I mean, it's gonna grow back. Awesome, uh, awesome. So that was it. Uh, if history holds true, the Blue Cats will have 300 yards on the ground. Daddy O, I, I don't know. I mean, they they haven't done it against anybody. I mean, they they not Youngstown State, not Miami of Ohio, not Florida, not Ole Miss. You know, I, I I think you look at some of these other teams. I mean, you know, Arkansas and Georgia, they've, they've pretty much moved the ball against everybody else. I know they're not perfect. <laughs> uh, Arkansas, very streaky football team. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. we also, also, uh, I don't know. I don't know if uh, – I don't know. But maybe they will get 300 on the ground. If they do, uh, that's very disappointing. I think there needs to be a lot of soul searching uh, if that happens Saturday night on the defensive side of the ball. Clint says, I think we need to start building, stop building up UK so much. Sort of reminds me when Spurrier took all the Clemson stuff down when he got here. Seems like it's mental at this point. Very well could be. Last year, sort of, uh, that game was sort of uh, like that. I, I, I thought, you know, Kentucky gave the Gamecocks every opportunity. And Carolina just couldn't take advantage and ended up being another frustrating, low scoring, bleed you to death type of game. So, and I don't uh, know it's a mild obsession over it because the, the difference between the Kentucky and the Clemson situation when Spurrier got here is like this is a divisional rival, right? This actually is what your goals are win the East, win the SEC. So it was like it goes back to what Spurrier was trying to enforce. That's why he pulled all that Clemson stuff down. He was like, our main focus needs to be conference play. <laughs> And that yeah. is exactly what we're going into. Yeah, beat the East. I mean, that's his division game. So, uh, Queasy says it's Hub City, not Sparkle City. Sparkle City has an onus to it. Are you I from there? that Hub City stuff? He must be. Yeah, I've seen I, Hub I, City too. Around, I, I don't care. I mean, I, yeah, I just always call it a Sparkle City. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe there is an onus to it. I'll have to learn more. That is my hometown, Queasy. Is my hometown. James says if the right tackle is out, that could be a big deal for rushing the passer and setting the edge. Yeah, they uh, mm-hmm. they've got some. Uh, I think they're fr- maybe they're really talented five star freshmen will be replacing that guy. I have to look into it more and just see. Uh, Israel says these next five games are all winnable. I agree. Mm-hmm. 
Call me crazy. I, you know, player for player, I think it's fine. Rakeem comes in. Let's do a Kentucky podcast yesterday. They know it's going to be a close one, and they're concerned with their O-line. And they should be. 19 sacks uh, compared to 10 for Carolina. You know, dead last in the SEC in rushing. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's you've got so much opportunity heading into Saturday. It just that's another thing that's going to be frustrating is that you know we this is a winnable game, <laughs> so yeah, if, I, if you're going to make a change as a program and as a team through the year. You have to win winnable games. So are you going to be good or are you not? Yeah, and, and that's they're what all, this week comes down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and there's no reason why uh, Kentucky should dominate the lines of scrimmage. Will they? Quite possible. Yep. But uh, should they? No. No. Uh, lady says, uh, guys, I'm verifying my bell drop stat. I only have one in my notes, but didn't do complete notes for a few games. So I'm going to go back and fact check that. I'll retract my statement until I finish my check. That's awesome. Uh, Tim says dead last the SEC in rushing. Uh, that means they'll rush for 500 yards against us. Remember Mo Williams? Yeah. Mo had a yeah. career day, but that was, that was 1995, 95. I remember it was a, that stat too this year because Rodriguez just came back. He's only yeah. So, so you're worried he's going to go off, and he's going off against Carolina every single time. Lady Breeze says no, their O line is struggling back, and it is, it is like true. I mean they've they've gotten by with making explosive plays a lot of times on the perimeter to the freshman receivers uh, and the kid from Virginia Tech uh, and Will Levis. You know, and and Will's played pretty well this year. You know, is it is it number one and number one draft pick? Good, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Jenkins is a great college football last name. I agree. Uh, Ken says, "Good morning, fellas. O line's going to need to play well. Rat- Kentucky will be after Rattler. Yeah, Kentucky's only got four sacks on the year, so their defensive line isn't what it has been. No, either. Guys, I mean, I'm just telling you." <laughs> now, now, would I uh, would I go after Rattler? Absolutely, <laughs> if I were them. Uh, but I, I just don't think this is some juggernaut on either lines of scrimmage. Clint says he wouldn't mind seeing a little tempo on Saturday. Me either, as long as they mix in the run. Right? Yeah, don't uh, just throw it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's all good there. So we've, uh, you know, everybody's talking about the negativity. Uh, Hub City is the Spartanburg Chambers choice. Sparkle City is the cool choice. I like the cool choice better. <laughs> I'm like uh, Ricky Bobby here. Uh, I like my, I like the Christmas Jesus better. <laughs> <laughs> I like Christmas baby Jesus, baby Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that's good. Um. All right, so uh, we'll catch up on some chat box later. Uh, I'll answer this. Will says, JC, who are our vocal leaders on offense and defense? Seem like we're missing alphas on both sides of the ball. I, I don't know. That that stuff's, that, that stuff, people talk about it when you're losing. But when you're winning, uh, nobody talks about it. Uh, I think defensively, probably Mo Caba, but I also think Cam Smith, I mean, People get mad at Cam Smith because he talks, but I don't know of a good corner that doesn't talk at least a little bit. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a quarterback for God's sake. Um, so I think he's there. I think Zach Pickens is a leader. He needs to play probably a little more like it. But uh, you know, I, I'm not so sure it's been Pickens on the inside. Um, you know, Justin mentions Boogie Huntley coming back. I agree with that completely. But uh, 
you know, offensively, Marshawn Lloyd, I'd, I'd have to say through through the, the, the few games, maybe, maybe Jalen Brooks too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be this year, so that's good. Could be Jaheim Bell, but we can talk about that all day um, and all that. Doc says media is protecting its preseason predictions. Uh, in my opinion, wait till the first of October to rank anyone. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree too. This seems like a really lazy year for the AP. for rankings. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's kind of nuts. It's kind of kind of kind of weird. Like they, uh, their hand was forced this week to put in teams that they have been keeping out, you know, <laughs> yeah. because they've got five and no records, you know, Kansas, you know, uh, gosh, I don't know. Syracuse, I think even made it, didn't they into the, yeah. <laughs> you, when Syracuse and Kansas are ranked in football, hmm. <laughs> that probably uh, adds to the negativity that we have. It was like, yeah, you're like, Kansas, Kansas, Kansas. <laughs> I don't know. And you know, Carolina's three and two. Uh, so the poll, uh, again, just to give you an update, 195 votes so far on Twitter, uh, Kentucky, 77.4%, Tennessee, 12.8%, Missouri, 9.7%. So everybody's ready to get this Kentucky uh, series uh, turned around. All right, are we ready to have Sawyer? Oh, he's not here yet, but he's usually very prompt. He'll be here, right? You know, he'll be here. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, well, that's cool. We are going to take a break. Oh, uh, he is. We'll be back with, the with, with the mental edge uh, after, uh, after these messages here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker King. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks, and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks Show with J.C. and Phil. Welcome back to the show, everybody. As always, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss, Coldwell Banker Kane Realty. Give Cindy a call for all your upstate residential needs, 864-414-5271. And the show, of course, is presented by Manscaped. To get 20% off with free shipping using the code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. We're joined now for the Mental Edge by uh, Sawyer Nix, who joins us on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. Sawyer, how are you doing this morning? Morning. Doing okay so far, so good. <laughs> South Carolina's hitting the road again. Night game, uh, first road night game of the season. Uh, at Kentucky, Lexington has been a house of horrors. Uh, what do you do to kind of get mentally ready to go uh, play this bunch? Well, uh, the weather, it's going to be cold. And um, some football players love the cold weather. The big guys do. But generally, the cold weather, I'm not a big cold weather fan. I could not live in Chicago like JC. You know, it, it'd be, it's not happening. Not happening. Um, I think I saw a picture. You went to, uh, I guess, the game on Saturday, bundled up. I'm like, I, I can't imagine, you know, it's just now the beginning of October out there and it's already, you know, in the thirties and that's just, just crazy, just crazy. But anyway, 
it, they got cold weather. A team that is hot. You know, Kentucky's doing well. They essentially blew a, a you know game winning touchdown there. If, if most of our listeners and watchers saw that game, I, I watched not all of it, but at least I saw that play where they 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 blew it. You know, here they are getting ready to win the game, and it's just essentially it's one play, and, and they blew it. And so South Carolina has a tall task. Uh, I've been to a night game there in Lexington, Kentucky in the fall. It's cold. It's a lot louder than you think. And JC mentioned this, that the fans are passionate, that they're they're loud. They get that CAT, cats, cats, cats cheer going. And if the Gamecocks start going the wrong direction, it, it can be a long night. Um, it, it, it gets on your nerves pretty quickly. It's cold. You get that cats cheer going. So South Carolina definitely needs to be aggressive this week. The the play calling needs to be aggressive uh, offensively. We got to get Jaheim Bell the ball. We got to – the players have to believe and buy in. After these get-right games, which were opportunities to, to have some confidence, to grow in their belief, in their belief in the system or the plays that were called, in their belief to execute them, and whether we as fans are like, well, they did great or not great, look, they scored 50 points in two games um, and then – or 100 and however many, however many points. And then they have some tape to show them, hey, we can do this. And that's all they need. Was it the greatest versus South Carolina State and Charlotte? No. It, it wasn't a 70-3 to three route. You know, it wasn't shut it down at the end of the half. You know, we, we really had to take the game into the third quarter and, and take care of it then. But the players can build on their confidence and prepare for this big test that's coming up. It is a big test. And for me, this was a game that I had as a – from a fan perspective, this is a must win. You know, if they're going to have a successful season, this was one of the ones that they had to change. This in the Missouri game. Um and then perhaps a Tennessee. So it's it's a big task, and I believe that the players have confidence. As the season goes on, usually teams gain confidence or lose confidence. And while things didn't start out the way that they had hoped, I know that they're gaining confidence in their abilities, and they'll be ready. Uh, whether they have success or not, that's yet to be determined, of course, and we'll just have to watch um, Saturday night. But – uh, they have the belief, and a lot of players are, are stepping up. I'd like to see more players step up in terms of leadership ability within the team. I think that's been a theme the past few weeks is what players are going to step up and demand accountability to push the other their teammates. And, and that's a big theme that I'm looking forward to see how that continues. Talk about Sawyer next, the mental edge every Tuesday. What can this team do? Uh to get a little tougher on defense? I think having some aggressive play calls, you know, get, let them have at it and then let them have some success. You know, you do a, a little, I won't say an easy task, but there's a concept in psychology where, where you gain much more confidence when you do an easier task and you have some success and that's going to spill over versus a harder task that eh, I'm not so certain, certain. So let's have a couple of play calls, let them be aggressive and let's take some risk. I think early on, take some risk 
let's see what they can do. And maybe they, you know, have a couple of tackles behind the lines. Obviously, the sack numbers are not good for the defense. Defensive line turnover numbers are not good uh, this year. And I think going to Kentucky, you need things like that. You're going to need some tackles behind the line. You're going to need some turnovers from a defensive perspective. So I think part of it is have them get an aggressive mindset that, hey, we're going to get after it. We're going to play fast. And I think that's one of the things that certainly Clayton Mike's scheme is is good compared to Muschamp is it allowed them to do that. Of course, the injuries have really hurt us. But I think you have to roll the dice. I think JC's alluded to this. You get you got to roll the dice a little more, be a little more aggressive, and and take your chances. Don't die a slow death. Be aggressive. Say we're getting after it, and we're going to make some tackles. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to play these guys tight on the secondary linebackers we're going to you know fly to the ball we're not going to take false steps we're going to watch our keys rely on those so that's that's one of my thoughts is you know be aggressive and hopefully clayton white dials it up a little more and that that gives the players amped up a little more like you know now of course if it if things bust you know that, that's the risk that you take early on this game is you take some risk and you get some momentum or you take some risk and things could go south but either way as a player i I think they want to take the chance to yeah we want to be aggressive and and take that opportunity so you're next with the mental edge i i I tend to agree i I think that when this defense attacks and, and that's kind of the scheme you know when they go after it when they put pressure when they blitz when they kind of play and take the fight to the other team yep uh, the, the product's better because, you know, they get turnovers, uh, tip passes, uh, errant passes. I, I don't think you can sit back and let Will Levis have all day. Uh, I, I think there's a chance if you're the Gamecocks and if you can do this, great. I mean, I, I think it's 50-50 proposition that you can get pressure with four uh, because, like you said, Kentucky's not very good on the offensive line. 19 sacks, the worst rushing team in the SEC. Uh, this is not – Last year's Kentucky offensive line by any stretch. Uh, right. South Carolina should be able to, to get some things done. Um, I think if you have to send pressure and gamble a bit, you just got to get there. Now you got to worry about him running because he's a good yes. runner for the yeah. football. Uh, even though he's kind of a, a pro style quarterback, he's, he's good uh, at taking off and making you pay. But um, I think that, uh, you know, Carolina, you hit the nail on the head there. And I, I think that does get your players excited, you know, big plays. Like that, you know, offensively, I, I think it gets people excited when you drive down the field and score. But I think deep passes sometimes get people fired up. Right. You know, uh, a trick play on special teams that works fires guys up. But uh, yeah. I, I think there has to be something uh, to get some early momentum. And then at the it, 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 and I'll say that it's not that simple getting that early momentum is to say, okay, well, if they, if they get up early, then they've arrived and won. Because Kentucky, like I said, they're a spider web team. They're going to – the old Miss got off to a great start Saturday. And then the next thing you know, you're looking up at the scoreboard, it's tied. And Kentucky's knocking on the door to win the game at the end of the game. You, you can't let these guys just kind of – you can't just screw around and let these guys back in it because they will get back in it. They're, they're that right. well coached, uh, I think. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about the fast starts. Fast start didn't happen again against SC State. They did get a first-quarter touchdown. Um you know, what do you make of this mentally? I mean, I, I, we talk about it every week. I just, I don't know that there's an answer other than, you know, 
let's try something cool and see if we can't break yeah. the, break the slump, you know. Yeah, I, I was at the game, and you know, the play calling sometimes for people have been disappointed, but I think the play calling was there. There's aggressive pass. The ball hit his hands. You know, you're looking at some opportunities. So I, I think the opportunities were there. It was just the execution. Now, again, there's a bunch of different uh, viewpoints on that. Is it the players? Is it the scheme? Is it the play calls? And, and that's a different debate for another day. But I think it's I think it's continuing to try and get the players, hey, yeah, we didn't score a touchdown, but look, we were moving the ball. We had a deep ball, hit a guy in the hands, and, you know, on the next drive, we moved the ball. You know, so they're moving the ball uh, versus Arkansas. First drive of the game, they moved the ball, you know, uh, 30, 40 yards, if I recall correctly, maybe. And then um, Georgia, not so much. But every game, they've had some drives. So it hasn't been a three and out, the first drive offensively. So that hasn't happened. Uh, that I recall in, in many games, it's just they got to finish. Uh, and I think that's that's the part. And, and also defensively, you know, sometimes their first drive, they've given up some things. So I think it's complimentary football. It, certainly for them to win, all three phases are going to have to be having their, their best game. It, it can't be a, a C game going up to Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, so I think – Having the aggressive mindset offensively is, is look, we've had some success. We've moved the ball. We've scored 50 points the last two games. We've shown that we can get Marshawn getting some big runs, which I think will be a key. You know, you need to get the, the run game going to kind of take some of the pressure off of, of the line, take a little bit of pressure off of Doty so that they don't keep getting pressure and then have to rely on some sketchy screenplays to, you know, uh, bail them out. So the run game will be key. And I, and I think the offensive lineman, if they can get that aggressive mindset, hey, we're going to go downhill. We're going to get some run plays, basic run plays that we called. And uh, no need to do anything fancy. Let's just get the ball moving. And uh, I think the offensive linemen are looking forward to that. And hopefully once that get going, then you can have some, some of your big play uh, passing attempts, and so your your wide receivers are going to get that opportunity. So I think it's everybody, just all the players, looking forward to the opportunity to have their chance in this big game because you know Kentucky's still ranked up there, and I think that's another motivating factor for for South Carolina. It's like, look, you you haven't done so well. Here's another chance. Here's another opportunity, and I think that's how the players see it. Is there's just another test. We haven't done so well so far, but this is only partway through the season. We still have a great opportunity to, to turn this around and overall have a successful year this year. Despite the losses to Georgia and Arkansas, they can still have a great year. But this is a big test. And for me, like I said earlier, this, this is a, definitely a, a litmus test for the year this year for this team. Thomas Sawyer next, the mental edge, every Tuesday here on the show. Marshawn Lloyd, 249 carries, or, or sorry, 249 yards on 26 carries, four touchdowns the last two weeks. Uh, how big is that for him as far as, uh, and you know, and we understand, everybody understands the, the level of competition. That's more for us to talk about. For a player, you know, you just want to go out there and put up numbers and play your best regardless of opponent. Right. Um after all that he's been through, how big how big has it been for him to average 
uh, shoot, you know, almost uh, what seven, eight yards per carry in the last two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. They want a highlight reel. They don't care who they play against. They don't care if it's little sisters of the poor. They don't care if it's versus Jordan. They they want to show here's what I can do. It doesn't matter who it's against. Um, certainly, we've seen some teams struggle versus um, poor teams. You know, great teams struggle versus poor teams. Um, Missouri and Georgia, that happened. I mean, is that is that what Georgia is? Is that their season? Is is that one game to find how they're going to end out this year and how they're se- no? I, I doubt that. That's I think that's an anomaly. I think that game is maybe their one fluke game this year, and I think they may return to doing things well. Of course, that's yet to be seen. But I think the players, they look for any opportunity that they can to showcase their talent. And as they look what I did, it doesn't matter who it's against or when it happens, but it's the fact that they did that. And that's what increases the confidence and increases their belief in themselves. And that's what also helps them be mentally tough. I mean, going into this game, of course, we say, oh, it's versus South Carolina State or versus Charlotte. But to the player, it doesn't matter. To the player, it's, this is what I've done, and I can do this again. One on one, Marshawn has a belief: I can run around guy, I can stiff a guy, I can jump a, jump over a guy. He has that belief; he's done it. It's on tape. So he has that belief, and other players are, are very much the same. They have that belief, and it's not about the opponent; it's about the ability to pass. pass I can't do. Um, I can't cook a fancy gourmet meal. I like to cook. Um, South Carolina is a big barbecue state. I love to do barbecue. But there's certain things I can't do. And it doesn't matter whether it's versus inferior competition, in this case, just some family, my immediate family, me cooking for them or inviting some friends over and me trying to impress them. If I can cook, I can cook. If I can't, I can't. Um, and I think very much with football, you know, the, the players are going to achieve – what they can do or they're not it's it's either going to happen or or it doesn't and so having Marshawn do what he did is is very much a confidence booster not only for him but for the team I think it encourages the offensive linemen it encourages the wide receivers to block it encourages the tight ends to block then they know hey I if I do my job here then guess what then that sets up the pass and so I think the players are very much buying into to that um, belief. Sawyer next with the mental edge. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the cold, the elements. I, I look, kickoff, it could get down to the 40s. That's It's kind of cold uh, for South Carolina. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, th- these guys will be, by the time the temperature really drops, I think uh, they'll be good and warmed up. I know I'll be <laughs> uh, at the ball game. So uh, I, I think that. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, when you when you sort of look at it, you know, uh, I think they'll be able to handle the elements pretty well. But you know, sometimes if you're uncomfortable, that, that that's uh, you're not used to something. I, I thought that was a an issue in the Florida Utah game. Uh, I thought they didn't handle the humidity down there as well as they could have the Utes uh, and all that. But uh, how do you sort of uh, overcome that, uh, you know, or does it really even matter? Is it, is it something that we all talk about that maybe? Uh, Maybe we shouldn't. No, I don't think it matters as much. Once they get going, uh, they don't think about that. Now, what happens is if they get hit in the mouth and then things aren't going well, then that could creep in. 
you know, but our, our team has not shown that. South Carolina has not shown that. They've shown that they're not going to shut down and, and back down, that they're going to keep fighting back throughout the whole game. Now, that doesn't mean that the scores will reflect that. I think sometimes fans are like, well, they're, they're not fighting back. They're getting their butt handed to them. Well, you know, those are two, those are two different things. The scores knowledge is reflective of, of the effort. Sometimes it is, um, but sometimes that doesn't mean the players aren't trying. Um, or they're, they're not buying in. So the, the idea that they're, they're buying in uh, isn't, is important. Also, I think the elements, um, again, won't be a factor if they don't let it. If they're on the offensive mentally and physically and they start out the game going well and starting out strong, I think that will be important. The, the cold weather doesn't matter. They'll be taking off their shirts at the end of the game, running around, you know, high-fiving, celebrating – it, the temperature won't matter, um, but it matters if they go in there with a weak mindset and not prepared and get punched in the mouth and don't respond or don't bounce back. Later on, it could be, uh, at least for some of the players. So, All right, Sawyer. Well, hey, you, you have an idea what you think will happen uh, this weekend? Uh Early on this year, I thought Cyclone had – this was a game that they would win, that they they needed to win, but they would also – they would win. I think they're better as a team than they were. Can they go up there and overcome 11-point deficits um, with the injuries on defense and then some of our, our inconsistencies on offense is, is sometimes scared me. Um, can they do it again? I hope so. I hope I'm wrong. Um, at this point, I'm looking at maybe 10 that, that Kentucky wins, you know, 27, 17, something like that. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully the offense gets going and there's complimentary football. Hopefully special teams continues to take another step in the right direction. Although, Picking up some of those punts was that that didn't that aggravated me. Um, like you have the ball on the you know forty five. Why are you why are you giving it right back to them? Um, but hopefully they'll play complimentary football and and they'll pull out a win and they'll prove me wrong. Again, there's a test and it's to show what is the team made of. What do they believe? Where are they going to demonstrate? How are they going to do? So that's that's one of my keys for this week. Um, another side note: this week is college football mental health awareness week, and so I know a lot of teams will be sporting different uh, helmet stickers. Um, some coaches have had T-shirts or, or things like that, but that will be a emphasis this week for a lot of teams. And the Helensky Foundation was a big uh, starter. That's not the right word, but they were the big ones to implement that initiative with the focus of college football mental health awareness week so that's this week so if uh, you see a unique helmet sticker on the back of the gamecocks they're part of that program and, and certainly celebrating um the initiative that the helensky family is, is trying to put forth and, and knowing that our mental health is just as important as our physical health and that it needs to be a focus and that 
the statistics that reflect mental health with the athletic population is no different than the general population. So everybody that's, you know, the percentage that experiences depression, anxiety, OCD, that percentage within the football team, or in this case, football team, but athletic department, that's generally reflective as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, what comes out of that this week as well. All right, Sawyer, appreciate you. Uh, hopefully next week we're, we're going to be talking about um, how to maintain uh, an edge during an open date and not about yes. how to uh, how to deal with uh, something negative that happened before an open date. Hopefully we, we change yeah. the subject a little bit next week, right. but we certainly appreciate it, and uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, I hope you have a great trip down. Um, I know it will be a It'll be a good opportunity for a win, and hopefully it will be there, and you'll be warm in the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> you're uh, happy. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Uh, thanks, Sawyer. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. Have a good week. All right. Thank That's you. the mental edge with Sawyer. He joins us every uh, every Tuesday to talk about things. Um, good segment there. And I, I think, you know, the weather's not something I really thought about, Phil, but it, it actually is supposed to be kind of in the high 30s as a low Saturday night. Ooh, Kentucky, can, a factor, yeah. <laughs> Kentucky and Missouri can get a little cool uh, this time of year. Tennessee does too sometimes. So does Vandy, but Kentucky, Missouri, especially. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's uh, supposed to be a beautiful day. Uh, the highs in like the, the, the high sixties and sunny. <laughs> so there'll be a nice uh, while while I'm tailgating or at Keeneland or wherever. Uh, it'll be a nice sun splashed day. Uh, if and then uh, at night, it's, the temperature is supposed to drop. So I, I would think it's probably going to be, you know, high forties by the time the game ends. Because I, you know, I I think uh, I think I think everybody should be fine weather wise. But that that's an interesting point he made, and I I also think that you know I don't know that strategically going out there and doing a bunch of crazy crap to begin with is is the right move, but. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, as long as it's not like the Jordan Birch pass or the the Decarry and Joiner thing. Yeah, we <laughs> don't know? want to send a, a message of desperation to the team by because I think that that actually does kind of signal that. Like if you come out there running trick play, you know, right out the gate, I, I kind of think it sends a a negative message to the team. Like, oh, we're gonna have to, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and you know we're gonna have to create this win. We can't just go out here and play our best and win. That's that's the one thing that kind of makes me a little leery. I think South Carolina can move the ball on them. Uh, I, I think with good play call and a good game plan, they can move the ball. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. I, I think South Carolina can stop them to a certain extent if they tackle well and get Rodriguez on the ground. Unfortunately, he is a tackle breaking machine and has been a game caught killer. Uh, and you just kind of get that feeling now because he's one game back now. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you're like, ah, well, <laughs> maybe this is his breakout game. Maybe he's not quite back yet. Mark Stoops said earlier this week, he's Chris is sort of feeling his way back in. But, uh, you know, he's been awfully good against the game. Kentucky just has not gone anywhere running the ball this year. They just haven't. No, no. Um, and that's the thing there. I, th- I think getting getting Darius Rush back, getting David Spalding back in the secondary is going to allow Torrey and Gray and Clayton White to kind of substitute a little bit differently and, and not have it as pa- – not, not rely on a bunch of freshmen on the field. Uh, so I think that's significant too. I think that Spalding uh, obviously was a starting nickel last year. You have him. Uh, you have Dial. Uh, 
still. Um, you know, look, guys, on Marcellus Dial, cornerbacks get beat. I mean, no, no uh, I know everybody's kind of used to like, oh, uh, J.C. Horn and Stephon Gilmore and, and Andre Goodman and Sheldon Brown and stuff around here. But, uh, look, man, Vic, those guys got beat too. I just think that it's been a little unfortunate some of the criticism Marcellus has taken. I don't think he gets lit up every game. I think he's just like everybody and gotten beat. No, I mean, um, hey, even Dion got burnt. <laughs> yeah, you just have to forget about it and move on. That's right. Uh, you just got to move on. <laughs> uh, Lady Bree says, no gimmick plays, please. Clint says he doesn't consider a flea figure or reverse too gimmicky. I don't either. Uh, I don't either. I, I don't either. I, I think that that's, that's fine. Um, what I'd like to see happen, honestly, is uh, – some of those old, old Georgia teams back in the, when Rick first got there, they'd line up and they'd run, run, run all down the field. And then they get to about the 45 and then all of a sudden play action over the top touchdown. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know how much that works anymore, you know, but I, I'd like to see a, you know, a situation where they establish the run and then they make Kentucky pay when Kentucky tries to adjust. Uh, now the key for that is you, you have to kind of know when to call it, right? Uh, you yeah, know, that's you, right. you can't just sit there and, oh, okay, they stopped at that place, and now it's second nine, and so we're going to throw a pass. I don't think that's the thing. Um, <laughs> you know, that's all the thing. Choo Choo says, is it as simple as Rattler versus Levis? Could be. Could be. So we will talk about that, continue to break this game down on the other side. It's top of the hour break right now on Inside the Game Cox. The show, completely interactive, second hour here on the Tuesday. We'll be back after these messages. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a Dyer Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey man. Hey man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. 
Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show family vacations a new car a new boat all cost money but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now i help consulting can help you finally get the kids to disney world upgrade the minivan or drop that new boat in the water next summer let daniel and i help consulting consult with you no fees just savings you pay them a percentage of those savings save on essential services credit card fees you name it let them find it these folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasporch.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Yep, yep. Time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome back, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks is... uh... Obviously presented by Manscaped. That's all the stuff you can see on the screen there. <laughs> but you get 20% off with the promo code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code BIGSPUR at manscaped.com. The second hour of the show is presented to you by uh, the Burgesson team at Remax by the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a ring for all your commercial real estate needs. It's A Burgesson, B E R G E S O N, at Remax.net. We got some things in the uh, in the old I help consulting mailbag here. Guys. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's uh, let's check that out. I help consulting mailbag. Yeah, Pike Man writes in JC and Phil watching the North Carolina State game Saturday. Noticed how physical and aggressive the state D was. I made the comment during the start of the game that the space the secondary was giving uh, the team on the up. State's receivers would come back and bite them, <laughs> but every time they threw the ball, there was a state defender already squared up to the receiver, making solid and fundamental tackles. I know RD hasn't been very physical this year. Is physicality something you can fix in the middle of the season? From Michael, uh, uh, I, you know, you make a good point. I, I do think this. I, I think that that physicality, you know, there's two there's two different ways to look at it. Number one. Are you not playing physical because you're not tough and not physical enough? Um, is, or is are you like uh, inexperienced playing a different position 
tentative because you're mentally thinking too much. That's two different things, but, uh, and it could be either or, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, uh, this is a tough bunch of tough guys on this defense. Cause I haven't seen it. Right. Uh, I think, I, I think they're tough guys. I mean, I think, you know, they're football, football players, but you know, is this, when you look at the South Carolina defense, do you think, man, that's a physical bunch right there? Uh, like some defenses here in the past. No, you don't. Um, can that change though? Could, were they just off balance? I mean, I thought they competed against Georgia. Uh, and, and I thought, you know, stopping them, Arkansas on fourth and one down five was a big moment in that football game. But, um, you know, other than that, they just kind of got run over. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I, 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 I'll say this too. I, I think Kentucky is significantly worse up front on offense uh, than either Georgia or Arkansas. You know, and it just yeah. look. I've watched a bunch of Georgia this year, watched a bunch of Arkansas, I've watched a bunch of Kentucky, and just looking at it, they're just not what they once were. And you can ask their media and fans about it. I mean, they don't, they're worried about their O line, yeah. uh, as someone pointed out in the NASPORTS Sports chat box. So, you know, I, I'm thinking this, I'm thinking, um, you know, this is an opportunity. You know, you know, you talked about people talk about a get, a get right game or whatever. Uh, this, this could be a, a chance to kind of, Change, let's say change the narrative, Phil. Like you, you talk about mm-hmm. optics, right? Well, yeah. the optics right now are South Carolina's defensive line is not living up to potential. And that's mm-hmm. Jordan Birch, Gilbert Edmond, uh, Zach Pickens. Uh, you know, Boogie hasn't played that much. You know, I thought Tonka Hemingway actually got in there and showed some quickness and, and, and resolve the other day. Maybe he needs to play more or play end or something. Uh, but, you know, you have a chance to set the edge. You have a chance to go in and, you know, because th- this is not – a situation like Georgia or Arkansas where you're dealing with a bunch of dudes that are, that are playing together, that are, you know, physical, that are veterans, that are used to winning, used to playing together. I mean, this is a, this is a group right now that's struggling for the Wildcats. So you got to go take advantage of that. Uh, if right. it's Carolina offensive line or defensive line. Um, and that's going to help because the more penetration you get, the more you're getting off blocks up front, the better. I mean, your linebackers are going to have a chance. Uh, you know, it's much easier, Phil, for Sherrod Green to go make a tackle in the backfield uh, if you've already got his Rodriguez's ankle, right? <laughs> Somebody's already, <laughs> Somebody's already done that, that thing where they dive on the ground and, and yeah. hold the thing, uh, hold on to the ankle or whatever, and then somebody cleans it up. So I agree. I, I think that certainly, um, thir- certainly, you know, that's kind of what. Uh, what needs to happen. So uh, yeah. I am, um, I, uh, you know, and you're right. The NC state uh, defense looks physical and looks, uh, looks, yeah, they uh, looked the they looked apart on Saturday. They looked really good. I hated to see that, you know, that game got away from them like it did. Yeah. Um, I don't think Clemson just absolutely dominated that team, though. That's the narrative up here. <laughs> no, I, I think oh it was a solid, they played a good, solid, complete game. It's their best game of the season. Yeah, right. solid game for both sides of the ball. I thought, you know, the I didn't think for a second that NC State was going to go up and down the field on them like Wake did, because yeah. Wake style of play and their quarterback. I mean, they're kind of set up for that. I mean. You know, I thought Clemson's defense played well. I thought I thought offensively they got enough. Uh, Will Shipley obviously had a really good game. Uh, he's from North Carolina. I think he's got family connections to NC State, as a matter of fact. But uh, he did fumble that ball. 
Yeah, not yeah. <laughs> interesting. But I, you know, I watched I watched State against East Carolina earlier this year about the whole game, and I watched most of their game with Texas Tech, Phil, and they are when you look at them uh, defensively, they look like a big SEC type football team. You know, yeah. they oh, got yeah. fast, strong, physical guys. Uh, so that's kind of been what they've been doing all season. Now, you know, South Carolina should be able to to go. I mean, look, man, you're in the Southeastern Conference. You know, you don't have like a bunch of guys on defense that that collectively have never played well. You know, you've had guys that have shown flashes throughout their career. You know, people talk about, oh gosh, they don't have Mo Kaba. And I agree they miss Mo Kaba, but Sherrod Green's played well through his, yes. his career. You know, I like what I see from Debo Williams. Some people say he's slow. I don't think he is. I haven't um, seen. I, I don't get the slow narrative. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe laterally. I'm not sure. I, I Maybe think, in coverage, but that's not his game. I, yeah, I think he's you know, he's good at one of the few that will dissect a play and go hit somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Cam Smith, very good player. Darius Rush, very capable player. You know, Devonnie Reed. People come down on him. He's a dude, that, that guy's physical. You know, Nick Evan Warren's had a good year. Individually, this group has played well. I just think collectively, Phil, they're at their best when they're attacking. And I think if you're Clayton White, you got to say, look, you know, you got to play complimentary football, and that's fine. But defensively, our guys on that side of the ball, he probably needs to make a decision, are at, at, us, at our best when we're out there kind of taking some chances, forcing the issue, you know, trying to get turnovers, this kind of thing. If we give up a big play, so be it. Because you know what? There's no excuse for not being better on offense. There, there's no excuse for not being able to answer. I mean, if you're sitting there playing D, like against Georgia, it was like they played Ben but don't break. But every time Georgia got inside the 20, they just kept doing the same thing they were doing, and they broke anyway. Yeah, that's um, right. There was no – yeah. It's I all honest to God do not think – I don't think there's any excuse at all uh, for this uh, this group to play bend but don't break defense. I think, look, if you can get pressure with four and drop seven, great. If you can pressure with three and drop eight, super, even better. Um, but uh, I, I I just, you know, th- this whole notion that the defense needs to protect the offense is a pile of crap. I mean, because there, there's no excuse for the offense not to be better. Uh, if it is, then, you know, go and uh, figure that out uh, on offense. So, yeah, and you're getting some guys back in the secondary. So, your front seven you could be much more aggressive with. So, I mean, sell out to stop the run, go after the quarterback, and you know, let these guys win their one on one battles down the field. I mean, that's what they're there for. Cam Smith can do it. We've seen it. Darius Rush can do it. You know, Dial can do it. All of them can do it. So, you know, don't just don't be timid, you know, and don't, you know, be aggressive because that's what's that's where we saw that step in both of the last two games, right? Is that. Clayton starts calling it more aggressively. These guys start playing a little looser, and good things happen. And then, you know, we offense put, put some points on the board, so that worked out well. But, you know, the, the defense finally did get some stops. Yeah, I also, yeah, I thought so. And I, I thought in the Charlotte game particularly, Phil, you, you saw, okay, second half, they got a, they got aggressive. Yeah, you know, they started going after them and, and stuff, taking some chances and, that seemed to turn everything around, you know, causing the turnovers, stuff like that. I help consulting mailbag rolls on Gamecock Pastor. That's our boy. Sir. Gamecock Pastor from the upstate lives right there in the orange fog. So uh, that's good. Um, 
He says the daring, the glaring difference between Clayton White and Marcus Satterfield to me is White makes productive in-game adjustments. I, I tend to agree. Mm-hmm. And Sapp seems to be unable to shift appropriately when things don't go well for the offense. I don't know if he's getting the looks he likes, so he keeps pushing it or what. That's that's called what to call and when. <laughs> and uh, that's called adjusting. Look, man, great play callers. Oh, I didn't know they were going to do this. <laughs> well, that's something you never heard Spurrier say, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean it's that's part of the game. Yeah, Spurrier sometimes, yeah. even even at Florida, and you know, and look, man, not everybody's going to be Steve Spurrier, but we can just name your good play caller. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, Spurrier at Florida, he'd go out there, right, and he'd be rocking and rolling, and, and all of a sudden, even against the the Brad Scott Carolina teams, this this always happens. You know, first first drive of the game, South Carolina's defense would stop them. And you're like, wow, it's like third and 16. <laughs> hey, there's a sack. There's a tip pass almost for a pick. And, you know, shoot, I don't know, you know. And then he, he, he punt the ball away. Gamecocks would be fired up on offense, go down the field, score, go up 7 nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, the next thing you know, about the <laughs> second or third drive, He'd be like, oh, shoot. All right. Well, here we go. This is working. He'd figure out Shane Burnham's playing middle linebacker. So he just run a crossing pattern to name name your guy, Breedell Anthony, uh, Jabbar Gaffney. Uh, name your guy. Name your Florida receiver in the 90s or, or, or late, late 90s. And all of a sudden, zip, zip, zip. Um, you mean you can throw it to the middle of the field? Yeah, how about that? I mean, oh, look at check out uh, oh Spurrier love throwing it across the middle like the slant. I don't. That's another thing I don't understand why. Why is South Carolina not throwing the ball across the middle of the field? What what's the what's the problem? I don't get it. You yeah. have Spencer Rattler, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you, 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 you have Juice Wells. You have Jaheim Bell. I mean, we can't run a. You, we can't find in the. You, know, you can't find in the playbook a, a slant for Jaheim Bell. Quick slants, I mean, you know. I mean, hey, you want to talk about being based on the damn Rams offense. I mean, Cooper Cup's running across the middle of the field all game long. Oh, no. <laughs> it makes no sense. I'm like, that's, his little ass beat up. <laughs> that's, and that's the most conservative part of this whole thing, I think, is that they just – it's kind of like a Lou Holtz-style offense where they're just trying to like, oh, we're not going to put it in – put the ball in danger and throw it across. I'm like, well, shoot, man, you – you haven't thrown it really across the middle all year. Maybe now is a good time to break that tendency, right? The tendency. Yeah, that's right. Break the tendency. Yeah. And maybe he's just been holding it all back for now for SEC, for the, the, the meat of the SEC schedule. I that's keep waiting for that, but um, mad genius is going to come out this week in Lexington. The mad genius. Ken says, I think Saturday's game is a big show us game for the fans. I think a lot of people will be let down if we get blown out in this one. Love the show. Keep up the great content. I, I don't see – I mean, I agree. Uh, and I agree that's where the fans are at, Ken. I, my thing is this, you know, the, the, there's no moral victory on Saturday night. You you should play them close. They're not that much better than South Carolina. You know, you should play them close. You should be in a position to win the game. You know, playing them close and losing is not progress. Not not in this series, man. Not because there's been a litany of close losses. You're close. You're close to beating them last year. You know, three or four plays go a different way. You're close to beating them, uh, or you should have beaten them. So so make up those three or four plays this year. And go to get it done. I mean, that's my my thought on it. Then how good do you feel losing close? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, I, I honestly would rather. I would rather Kentucky blow Carolina out. 
than to have some BS loss where the Gamecocks crap the bed and the same old crap happens on offense and then missed tackles on defense. And it just sort of ends up being a close, close ish game and Kentucky wins and they're like, ha ha ha. Our offensive line's terrible. Our defensive line's average. We basically have a quarterback and a couple of freshman receivers uh, and we beat you yet again. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, look, that's, that's the truth about, I'm not coming down on Kentucky. Look, man, cause they win games when they probably shouldn't or when it doesn't look like they are. I mean, they're Mark Stoops is a winner. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to come down on them. I know I called called them a fraud over the offseason, but that was more about like in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> the program as opposed <laughs> to, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> this team is, is, is a team that finds a way. Yeah. But they're not, I mean, they're not that much better than South Carolina. I don't even know that they are better. I mean, I, their record's better, but I, I, I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Um, Alan comes in and says, UK is our next. He's answering the poll question. Kentucky's our next one. That's where we need to start the turnaround and keep it going in the right direction. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. This agreed. Is the one in front of you is the one you need to win. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, back to the Nanosports chat box. Austin says, Sats offense relies on, completely on being able to run the ball. Once they shut the run down game down, he panics every single time. LAD might disagree, but it's obvious. Well, when has this team had a good offensive game when the run game has been slow going? Never. Never. The best offensive games have been when Carolina's been able to at least have not just a decent but an above-average rushing attack. Right. You know, when they've been able to line up and get yardage and open things up, then that's when this offense has had a good game through 18 games. Now, when it's when not, when you can't run it, no, they haven't. And, and you've got to – look, in most cases, you're not going to have a great day offensively uh, if you can't run the football in this league. It's just, it's just true. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, you have to kind of find a way around it. And, and, and you know, here's the other thing, Phil. Where is the uh, where's the pass to set up the run kind of deal, you know, because it, it seems like, you know, it seems I mean, like they it, don't even do that, you know. I know, I know. Yeah, it, it could just as easily be that way. Uh, you, could, you could use one to open up the other, but – I mean, if you're throwing it three yards behind the line of scrimmage, you know, all the way out on the perimeter, you're not really opening up the run that way, <laughs> especially if you continue to do it. That's the whole thing. You're continuing to do it because then you don't you don't get advantage of, you know, linebackers and safeties cheating inside and, and hitting somebody deep down the field across the middle. Or, I mean, it's just it, I don't know. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It, it seems like it's it's kind of stunted and stuttered. And and I don't know. There's a big debate in the chat box today, you know, uh whether or not Spencer's actually calling out of plays into those just from some of the looks that he's seeing. Um, and if that's the case, then somebody needs to tell Spencer to quit <laughs> because they're obviously fooling him into something because we're getting blown up on the perimeter and it's not just blocking. I mean, you know, it's you're throwing it to a guy and there's two blockers in front of him, but there's three defenders in front of them. So, you know, you have no advantage. You still have to make a man miss. It's a hell of a lot easier to make a man miss in the open field than it is in the flat. I agree. I'm, I'm not a big fan of what they do in the flats uh, all the time. I think you can use that sometimes if you go – like, okay, it's called quick game. And, it, you know, Spurrier probably could have done this a little more often. 
um, when he was at South Carolina. Mangus did when he took over. Uh, and it, it's kind of, you know, you, you, you spread them out, you attack the perimeter uh, when you have kind of a favorable matchup out there. In other words, you know, you got a guy that can, you got a receiver over there that can block uh, their, their corner, maybe isn't a great tackler. You know, you throw it out there to juice or somebody and he makes one guy miss and he's streaking up the sidelines. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, I, I, I think if, uh, you know, there's been times, Phil, like in Arkansas, and you pointed this out, where Arkansas gave them a favorable box. There's no reason why they couldn't run, and they chunked it. You know, there's been times when, you know, they run right into the teeth of a six-man, seven-man front, you know, a, a big front. I mean, I, 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 I think there's something to be said. That, and the game nowadays, like in offensive football in college, it so much is predicated on putting defenses in conflict in terms of run versus pass. That's why RPOs, systems like Alabama's, work so well when they get it down to a fine two. Because how do you stop it? You know, when you got players, I mean, how do you, and you got Bryce Young out there making the right reads? Yeah. Then they're going to put in their backup who's like Michael Vick and he's just going to run away from everybody, <laughs> uh, Alabama. But uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, I I think that's the whole thing, and I fail to see the Gamecocks doing that. I, I think that's kind of sad in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, put that defense in conflict um, so they, where they don't know what's going on. So, uh, Doc says Kentucky believes they will win, though, our guys. I think that's an important thing, too, Phil, if you think about it. Like I said, Kentucky's believing they're going to win this game. Yep, they're, yep. They're even as bad as their offensive line is, get some injuries. You know, they're mad because they dropped a close game at Ole Miss. Uh, they're like, oh, we got South Carolina this week. We own these guys. We're going to beat them. I don't know if Carolina's people, players do. No, I hope they uh, do because that's the hope. mentality you got to have. Yeah, you, you got to go in there believing you can win. Like, you know, that same Gamecock program that beat Kentucky 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, close wins, a lot of them, but 10 years in a row, no doubt. But uh, I just think that um, – you know, that, that, that's something that could be a big part of this game, especially if, yet again, Carolina gets off to a bad start uh, and then Kentucky's just going to smother them, uh, I think. Um, Clint says UK was playing a five-man box against Ole Miss. Should be able to run with some success if they do that Saturday. I agree. Yeah. Don't forget, Jacquez Jones is out. So that's a, that's a hell of a linebacker right there that they're not going to have. Uh, and as we know, sometimes with your when your really good linebackers are out, you, you take a you take a hit, right? Uh, <laughs> defense. Um, Craig said, "Craiger Lloyd better get fifteen to eighteen carries, even if he's only averaging three to four yards a play." I agree. I would, I would get, I would feed him the ball because you know, and it's been unfortunate at times this year when Carolina's not been able to get it going that for Marshawn to end up with seven or eight carries. Uh, because, you know, I, I think he's good enough and explosive enough to where, you know, you, you have to kind of ride him and be patient and say, well, a big hit's just come right around the corner. You know, yeah. you, you, know, you just you got to keep being – and eventually uh, I think he'll get it done. I actually think Marshawn Lloyd's going to play well Saturday night. I think uh, so too, and, and not just, you know, catching passes and stuff like that. But he's I think he's going to be able to run. But at what I don't – what kind of bothers me is when he's not – it's not necessarily he's not running well, but the team's not effectively using the running game. But then we still go with the running back rotation. So you get into that, like you just said, he only gets seven carries a game. You know, mm-hmm. and then you know, Juju gets seven carries and CVS gets seven carries. It was like you're not helping any of those guys out that way. 
<laughs> let him let him run it. Yeah, just like Gregor says here, three or four yards of play, just continue to run the ball and use yeah. Lloyd to do it because he's the one. He's your he's where's the number one for a reason. <laughs> let that be your reminder. The number on his chest. <laughs> and uh Clint makes up a point, get Juju on the perimeter. I, I I'm not a fan of when they throw Juju the ball out there like uh, as a pass two yards, like for a two-yard gain in front of the sticks. I like what they were doing in the bowl last year when it was, it's basically a long handoff because it's a lateral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets it out there and goes. I also like the outside zone plays to him. They seem to not want to run, or maybe maybe other teams are scheming for it. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, Juju's yards per carry, are not, it's not as big as it was last year. Um, but he, you know, he still gets a lot of touches and, and makes some plays. I mean, I would, I would consider going to the outside a little bit with him if your inside running game's going well. If you're running counter, and you're getting it, uh, getting that going, just like against North Carolina, they had to, to, to kind of go back inside and try to stop Kevin Harris and all that. And then all of a sudden, boom, you hit him with McDowell on the outside. That could be dangerous. But again, it's about set running plays to set up other plays, and and that's. That's something that, unfortunately, you know, we, we we need to see more of, more better, more more better setups, more better setups. How about that? Uh, that's the thing there. Uh, all right, more Nana Sports chat box. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Kentucky special teams when we get back because those have been quite adventurous for Mark Stoops and <laughs> his group this year. Not uh, not the best in the world. Either this is what I keep saying. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Kentucky, going, really? This is the 13th best team in, in America. Yeah, right. This is not yeah. a juggernaut you're walking into here. <laughs> and, and, and before anybody out there gets mad at me, I'm just going to tell you, Carolina could easily lose this game. In fact, I probably won't pick them. But I'm I, I'm just looking at Kentucky, going, my goodness, you know, I, I just don't know. Uh, like I said, I think they're a spider web team. I think they're well coached. They know how to win. Uh, I just don't know that they're as good as they've been, quite frankly. Just don't know that they're, they're that good. Uh, but we'll find out more on Saturday night. All right, final break of the show inside the Gamecocks. Uh, coming back uh, right after these messages. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Mer Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, 
or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back to the show, everybody. Second hour of Inside the Gamecocks is presented to you by the team at Remax at the Lake. Uh, give Adam or Derek a call or shoot them an email. Adam, uh, it's a person, A B E R T E S O N at remax.net to get into And of course, we're you and sponsored by Manscaped. Code Big Spur, Big Spur for 20% off the free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. Sorry, JC, a little distracted on that one there, man. <laughs> Me too, a little bit, man. I mean, man, man on here. Stuff, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I yeah, I got, uh, I got somebody who wants to be a columnist on the Big Spur, right? Yeah, nice. right, these columns. And uh, I guess he copies and pastes them. I don't know where they come from. <laughs> hey, what about the, about the, we haven't talked about the Dawn Staley situation um here uh 
because it's politics and it's political and we try to steer clear of that. I, I, and, and so everybody kind of hashed this out a couple of weeks ago. And this guy comes with this gigantic column about Staley and blah, 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 blah. And it's just a pot stirring thing. Look, I don't agree with what Dawn, I don't agree that Dawn Staley canceled uh, the BYU uh, uh, game w- without kind of letting the facts come out. Uh, I, I think that there's uh, a lot going on in our country. Uh, I understand why she did it. I, I do think that uh, it was probably hasty. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I don't have her lived experience on this earth. Uh, and that's fine if she wants to do it. All this crap about it's embarrassing the university. So I, I just think it needs to go away. Uh, that's why I haven't mentioned it here. And, you know, this guy, he, he wrote this column the other day about the the, the Title IX people being on the field or whatever and how Tanner should be ashamed and blah, 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 blah and all this other stuff. So, so I've been kind of, you know, that's why I was distracted there coming back because I'm dealing with that. And it's like, uh, you know, it's absolutely political. You know, I, I just, uh, so we don't allow it. And uh, this guy, I, I think he loves his columns. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I'm doing with columns. <laughs> But Clint volunteers, you know, it was like not to brag, but uh, he did win the Lieutenant Governor Nick Theodore Creative Writing Award in third grade. Lieutenant Governor, there's a name from the past. Nick, uh, Lieutenant Governor Nick. Nick Theodore. He's pre-qualified. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm staying out of the whole Don Staley thing. I just, but at this point, it's kind of old news, is it not? I mean, are we not? Finished with this at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm not talking about it anymore. I just told him his stuff was fact free, and it is fact free. So anyway, my bad. Yeah, Clint's like, yeah, JC's gonna hammer on that keyboard. My bad on that. My, my, my bad. <laughs> uh, Clint says NC State at number ten was a joke. Yes. Um, wasn't old four lost Jimbo number four in the free preseason. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they lost again. Mike Leach loves beating Texas A&M, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah. I mean, it's like four. He's just like, Oh, I thought it was 10 and three. <laughs> like you're not in four. Against A&M. Well, I thought it was 10 and three. My bad. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Craig goes, now you see why Jordan never got into this stuff during his career. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I, I don't think I thought it was hasty. I, I, I thought, you know, we have too much of, uh, of that both ways these days. Like we have uh, too much, you know, blatant racism out there and we have too much uh, fake racism out there for lack of a better term, especially some of these high profile situations where everybody's just quick to judge and assume, you know, and, and I think that what that does is it, 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 it takes away the focus from the actual, you know, uh, bad stuff that we need. Bad stuff. So that's uh, that's all I got to say there. I, like I said, I don't have Dawn Staley's lived experience or the girl from Duke's lived experience, uh, and that's fine. And I get that. So I'm not mad at her. Uh, I just think the thing uh, needs to go away and is a nothing burger. And uh, it absolutely is political. The whole back and forth that continues absolutely is political. It absolutely is. Uh, just let her do what she wants to do. She's earned it, right? And if, uh, if you don't agree with her, then maybe just don't go to women's basketball. Don't support that program if it, if it makes you mad. That's uh, You're right yeah. as an American. 
Phil, speaking the truth right now, old news. Uh, Brian says, these players deserve a win this weekend. I want this one bad as well. I think everybody does. I think yeah. a win this weekend, Phil, and there's no reason why the Gamecocks can't go win, like I said. Uh, first of all, you beat Kentucky, which has rarely happened lately. Uh, you get a road win over what would be a top 15 team, so to speak. Uh, you go to the open date sky high. Everybody gets ready for A&M. Uh, coming in, another team that you that, that's probably not as good this year as people thought. Right. Now, A&M can run the football with Arcane. Arcane's running – he's like their whole offense right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, but they committed four turnovers, and that's why they didn't win. But, uh, you know, they're struggling, and, you know, they're probably going to get the slobber knocked out of them this weekend by Alabama. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Uh, nah, yeah, Alabama's Bryce Young doesn't play. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, they got up for him last year, but uh, I mean, this is not the same A and M team that they had that they fielded last year. So, yeah, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. So, uh, says, "Can we hire Mike Leach for the Texas A and M game <laughs> just to come in?" <laughs> Jared have him says, as an analyst. <laughs> don't you think? You guys think Dawn was trying to avoid another Missouri situation? I don't know much about either. That was kind of the opposite because Missouri accused, you know, South Carolina's fans of racism. Norway. Yeah. They, uh, with a, you know, mostly Caucasian basketball team and South Carolina had a mostly African-American basketball team or all. Uh, and so that made no sense. Uh, and that was BS too, but I don't know. I just think, look, Don Staley wants to cancel BYU in that game and, and stick by it. That's fine. She's wrong in my opinion. Uh, but at the time she made the decision, she probably wasn't. And, uh, you know, if you're going to actually base decisions on lived everyone's individual lived experience, uh, then we're not going to have a basic set of you know norms and values uh, to follow. Maybe that's maybe that's why. Maybe that's the motivation here with, with some folks out there that want to you know cater everything to everyone's lived experience and not worry about things like oh I don't know truth. But that's fine if she want. Like I said, I can't I can't relate. So I'm not going to sit here and you know, bat, uh, blow her up about it other than to say, I think she's wrong. Um, and, but she made her decision and uh, that's fine. And if there are consequences for making a decision like that, uh, be it, uh, you know, in this life or the next, she'll pay for it. Right. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> Clint says a win against this UK team will feel better than it actually would be. That's true. Uh, that said, it would be huge uh, with morale moving forward. Absolutely. Evan says the Gamecocks offense looks like the Panthers rather than the Rams. Both are not very good. He must not have watched football last night because the Rams didn't look very good either. Let's just hope Satterfield wasn't watching when they tried to, you know, quarterback sneak it on third and three. They talk about now Kentucky's got a, a coordinator from the pros too, uh, from the NFL. No shock that they're. Thirteenth um, in total offense, right <laughs> in the league. Uh, but um, 
They got theirs from the 49ers. They had, they did the Rams thing last year with Liam Cohen, and then Cohen went back. And so now it's the Niners that they're trying to do. I don't think any of it's bad. You I know, was like, watching the Niners. I was kind of like, damn, you know, that's not a bad-looking offense. We, <laughs> we got pieces to run this. <laughs> in, in, in college, honestly, Phil, I, I mean, you know, if, if you're going to go to the NFL and look at South Carolina's personnel, this is where this is a big disconnect, I think. Who who are your players, right? Who are your players? I'm not worried about your system. Who are your players and how are you going to get them the ball? That's uh, the whole thing. If you're going to go get an NFL offense, you'd probably go get the 49ers when you think about who you had on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're going to cater it to the people that you have on the team, that would make it. It just seems like a better fit for our personnel than than the Rams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Queasy says Satterfield should have been watching the slant that Devo ran for a touchdown. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Phil. I'm going to start calling you Slant Phil. I mean, come on, over the middle Mullinax. That's right, over the middle Mullinax. There's a whole field here. It's not just outside the hash marks. Craig says, since Carolina has no identity, how do you think Kentucky prepares for us? What do they worry about? I. Pretty sure it's going to be stop Lloyd and uh, put pressure on Rattler on passing downs, which is easier said than done. Kentucky hasn't rushed the passer very well. They've stopped the run. They've had, they have a good run defense uh, until they ran into Ole Miss last week, and that was really one guy. So, but that, that's what I would that's that, that's what I would do if I were them. I'd just say, well, stop the run first and foremost, because this offense has never worked when they can't run the ball. That's when you got a chance. Yeah, yeah, that's when you got a chance. So uh, Alex says, I tell you what, if Mo Kaba heals as fast as JC's hair grows back, he'll be back for spring, no doubt. Let's hope. I did get a little growth in over the weekend, man. You guys just hadn't seen me. Uh, Jerry says, I'm just waiting for the O-line to play a completely dominating game. You may be waiting a while, Jerry. Don't hold your breath, Jerry. Uh, dominating? I don't know, man. I, I just I, if they can sustain some blocks and open some holes, I think that's a win. But uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, and I don't. Kentucky does have a big guy in the middle. He's he's the backup nose tackle or whatever. And, you know, he's a handful, but uh, he was last year. But uh, you know, I don't know. You know. We'll see, Jerry. These. These guys are kind of running out of time, you know, where you're going to be halfway through their final, most of them's final year, a lot of them's final year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see. Clint says, Phil Middlenax. <laughs> Middlenax, oh, that's a good game. And you got, and then Craig, Craiger comes in, ha-ha, Clint. So that's <laughs> bananas, tour, porch, uh, chat box. Doc does say expectations and reality rarely match. I still believe they can win, but they have to and then execute. Yeah. But they have to believe and then execute. So, oh yeah, that's it. like like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not calling for a, a Gamecock win in Lexington, uh, just because I'm, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go there because you know if you just kind of look at how the season's unfolded so far, you're like, oh, South Carolina probably you know get off to a bad start. Chances are they won't be able to run the football. Chances are there'll be uh, issues, you know. <laughs> And, uh, you know, same old issues, and it's Kentucky, and so you feel bad. But when you actually look at the reality of Kentucky this year and the reality of South Carolina, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, you take the jerseys off of it. If they were going to Vandy, and Vandy was toward the bottom of the league in, in total offense, and 
you know, couldn't run the ball and, and all that, you think Carolina's defense probably have have a get well game. So yeah, um, I mean, we've been talking about get right games the past couple of games, but the team yeah. as a whole, you win this one on Saturday, then everybody's feeling good. And you yeah. need that because then you've thrown one monkey off your back. You got a big monkey coming in two weeks, you know, from now, and that you've never beaten A and M ever. No, ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. So why not? It, this is a year Kentucky hump and carry that in because now this and it's 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 the year to do it <laughs> it's the year to do it i'll tell you this man it's uh um, when you kind of think about uh, this season um, i haven't been right about very much but i was right about uh this is the year to get a&m uh now i may not have i don't think i saw their offensive struggles coming like they have uh and, uh, you know, their defense has played pretty well up until last week. Of course, four turnovers did not help. But, uh, you know, I, I I didn't think that they were the fourth-ranked team in the country in the beginning, and I just uh, – I still don't. I, I think they were very fortunate uh, and resourceful to beat Arkansas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I kind of feel bad for Arkansas because they kind of uh, – they're proving to be kind of a streaky team now. You know, you come all the way back and you have it – and everything's good, and then you, you fall apart again. <laughs> Arkansas's, Arkansas's defense gets kind of worse every time I see him play. But um, but I'll say this, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, there is an opportunity, like you said, to, to get that thing taken care of. I mean, you, you beat Kentucky and A&M, then you got Missouri coming in. So, so you know, it's, it's payback time the next three games. Mm. You know, these are teams that have kind of – Rub Carolina's nose in it, no matter and with A and M, no matter how good they are, or bad they are, they 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 tend to win. And then Kentucky, obviously, has kind of been the same way. And then Missouri is the most baffling streak I think ever. Um, it's it's worse than the other ones. So they gotta they gotta get there. They gotta get there. Uh, Jerry says, can somebody get Xavier to get some stickum? Agreed. Yeah. Uh, uh said if UK had played Carolina's schedule and we'd have played their schedule, would we exchange records? I don't know. Could Carolina have gone into Ole Miss and won? That's tough. That'd be tough for me to say. But maybe. You know, I didn't you know, Carolina probably I don't think Carolina could have I mean, I think Carolina could have beat a flat footed Florida team like Kentucky yeah. ran into, which gave them all that damn height that they're running into. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not Florida wasn't Florida wasn't Florida, regardless of how hard they wanted it to be. <laughs> how bad. Fourteen of thirty five. If Spencer Rattler went goes fourteen of thirty five on Saturday night, Gamecocks are gonna lose pretty big. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. So uh yeah, I probably would think that the the you know probably Carolina could have split Florida and, and Ole Miss on the road. Mm -hmm. uh, I may eat those words, but I don't think uh, you know. I, I I think playing Arkansas was a tough matchup, especially for this defense and uh, especially against that offensive line. And then you know it was like bombs away on the play calling. They didn't even try to run, which I thought in hindsight they probably should have tried to run a little more. Uh, as Phil's pointed out. And then, you know, Georgia obviously was playing out of their mind when they played the Gamecocks, not so much now, but uh, that, that's crazy. Uh, 8JM2 says, I knew we'd struggle in 2014, talking about the 2014 team. It's pretty crazy how overtyped that team was. Yeah, and I think people trusted 
the verbiage from Spurrier. Uh, and I think he trusted Whammy, who told him uh, Lorenzo Ward said defense of 2014 is going to be better than the defense of 2013, uh, which, which it was not. <laughs> not by any stretch. So, you know, that's the whole thing right there. Craig said, Craig says Ole Miss would run all over us. Hell no. AJM2 says, where would we rank Spencer among SEC quarterbacks? Is he better than DJU at, at Clemson? I, let's wait and let that play out, man. Because DJ is playing pretty well right now for them, I think. Yeah, I think he's uh, – is he a, an All-American type like they thought? No. Is he close to Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson? No, not even close. But he hadn't lost his job yet, <laughs> and I think a lot of people thought that was going to happen. Kind of a foregone conclusion. But uh, They both continue to get better week to week. Yeah. But it's a completely different system. I mean, it's so different. Like, you know – DJ is going to put up all kinds of stats and things like that throughout the year. And if we continue to run this offense that we're running, it's not designed to rack up quarterback stats. It's designed for a quarterback to be efficient and run the offense well. Everybody at Clemson last year was saying Clemson's offense was antiquated. <laughs> not a modern offense. I'm like, no, it's, it's a college offense, man, and it's efficient, and it's what they do, and they do it well. You know, I mean, it's uh, – I, I don't. I, 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 I'd run Clemson's offensive system at South Carolina more because <laughs> it's e easier to learn. It's more about reps and tempo and things like that. Uh, no, don't go hire Chad Morris to be the OC. Oh that Lord, no! <laughs> but uh, you know Tony Elliott, somebody like that would certainly do it. But uh, that that style of our that system. Uh, it's it's a good college offense, and I, I don't know that I can say that, you know, some of these, I guess, uh, programs that decide they want to be the Rams or whatever are good at it. You know, Kentucky certainly isn't, and I, I think Stoops makes has made the same uh, calculation that, oh, we're going to do an NFL thing here, and uh, I just don't know uh, at a place like South Carolina or Kentucky that you can do that. I think you got to be different. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong because I do think to a certain extent, Phil, if you can make it work and it works, then you're 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 actually doing something that's different than everybody else. You know, yeah, I like, get oh, it. You know, mm. I, I get the theory. If I read if I read read this on paper, I'd probably be excited. Yeah, yeah. But is it going to take you know six games a year to get everybody up to speed? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that kind of luxury, you know, and you don't have the time yeah. through the week to install uh, everything. It's, and, it's you know, I remember Kurt Roper, too, and when he came back after, the, again, he, he had one year in the league in the NFL as well. Mm -hmm. um, I thought he got, okay, so 2016, he, he quarterback situation was such where he couldn't really do uh, anything complicated. You know, you had to go out there and, as much uh, the must champism of the day is call it and haul it, <laughs> call it and haul it. Um, and I, I thought Roper actually, when Jake took over, called some really good plays. Uh, about the only thing I had a problem with that year was the the, the bright idea was we're going to have Jake run over to the sprint of the sidelines and get the play in the Clemson game. Oh, yeah. And then sprint all the way back out while that crowd's just howling at him and that defense is just like getting super hyped up and Brent Venable's head's about to explode on the other side of the sidelines. You're just like, 
and he's going over there to the guy in the yellow hat getting the play. Nah, you know, I, again, I understand the the deal there, but um, man, it was just uh, hmm, that that was about the only problem I had. Well, then the next year they tried to make Jake Bentley into Peyton Manning and have yeah. him just call everything, and it was all those RPOs and Debo got hurt. I mean, I, you know, it, it just it was just garbage. And mm-hmm. uh, I, but uh, you know, my point of the, about all that is when you talk to people and you, you, you talk about the plan and, and like what's on paper and the chalkboard and chalk talk and all that, it's phenomenal, but you have to, you have to be able to have that gut feeling to call it, you know, and, uh, and all that. So uh, doc says Spencer does something look comfortable, happy feet and rolls too quickly. I, I think that's gotten better the last two games. Obviously the competition's not been as good, but I think it's gotten better. Uh Clint says Brent Venable's head's about to explode now for a different reason. Yeah, they haven't looked too stellar, have they? Whew. That, and it just out of nowhere, it seems, too. It's just like, wow. Got run by Kansas State, and TCU completely blows them out of the water. Wow. And they got Texas coming up. Yep. I wonder if the the the, the soft horns will what, – what they'll do in this one. The soft horns. They're soft. Uh, hey, everybody every, – I, I read something like, Texas is a surging favorite against Oklahoma. I'm like, <laughs> you wait. Oklahoma's going to get in that game, and they, they got their, they've gotten their ass cut the last couple of weeks, and oh, yeah. Texas is going to show up going, we're high and mighty Texas. How dare you even show up on the field, you Oklahoma Sooners? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like um, – Bye, you know, and <laughs> racism. Uh, Clint asked, Who is TCU's offensive coordinator? It's Garrett Riley, but Sonny Dykes has a lot to do with that, man. Don't, I, I don't get caught up in the, 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 the last name names, Riley. yeah. But, uh, you know, now, now, like, I Garrett's done a great job out there. That, their whole that old staff at TCU, I mean, I had a lot of questions. I'm like, well, you're basically giving up on Gary Patterson, who's a hell of a coach, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and hiring a guy that's just basically like the Big Twelve. It's like every other Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna do what everybody else does: chuck it all over the yard and quit playing yeah. defense. And so, uh, yeah, I, I had some questions, but Sonny Dykes has them rolling right now, rolling, 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 rolling. Meanwhile, at SMU, uh, part of the team like. 20 players, I think, have said, we're not playing anymore because we want a red shirt and transfer. So, Rhett Lashley not having a good go of it with the ponies right now. Yeah. Uh, Clint says he thought thought he'd needle me a little bit there. That's fine. Uh, big Slam Jamma, preseason rankings have too much of an effect on our interpretation of high-quality wins. A team's playoff standing shouldn't be boosted by a week two win over then top ten teams that ended up at seven and five. Agreed. Agree totally. Um, a lot of people think you shouldn't even do rankings until like, like the playoff poll, I think, has it right. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to release anything until later. That said, uh, that committee, which is kind of old school in my opinion, uh, I think they follow, I think they follow the polls though, and I think it does uh, affect them. Matt says we're projected to play SMU in the Birmingham Bowl. God, please not the Birmingham Bowl. Oh yeah, Carolina's got to win enough to get in the Las Vegas Bowl, man. That, that's yeah. right, right above the Birmingham Bowl. But man, we got to get me and Phil are going to go. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go do a live show from Spearmint Rhino. 
in so Las if Vegas. We go to, if we can't go to Florida in December, we need to go out west. Vegas, yeah, <laughs> that'll be good. So that, that'll be good there. Um, all right. So tomorrow, Phil, we got uh, Jamie lined up, Chris Phillips lined up for our Wednesday show. Um, um, yeah. I just got to get in touch with Chris. I, I, oh, okay. uh, Jamie uh, always on Wednesday, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll reach. I'm sure Chris yeah, will be Chris, and uh, the no show Thursday, we'll have a shorter preview episode that will not be live. That will be released Friday, and uh, I'll be heading down. I guess I'll be at the horsey horsey races, the horsey park mm-hmm. on um, on Friday, having a good good time. Probably wear a bow tie. I don't know. Nah, probably not. Never trust a man in a bow tie. I never have. Never no. will. <laughs> I wore one at my wedding because I had two with the tux. That's, that's right. That's right. And next time I get married, I'm not. I'm going to go cowboy tie style. You know the cowboy tie, the western ties yeah. with the tassels, well, the bolo. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing that <laughs> next time. Not no more bow ties for me for yours truly. Uh, anyway, for Phil Mullinax, JC Sherwood, everyone have a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on Inside the Game Cast the Show. Thanks for joining us, everyone.